Good morning, everybody. It is a Monday morning for us Americans. Happy belated Thanksgiving. It is our first Monday without Formula One this year. It is our first off-season week, first off-season Monday. But as we know, the F1 season always continues on. So I will be here discussing the random F1 news that has happened this week. And of course, just my random thoughts and ramblings so far of this first F1 offseason. So let's get into it. The first biggest news of the offseason this year is that Daniel Ricciardo, the Daniel Ricciardo, has made the decision to go back to Red Bull as their reserve driver. Now, for Daniel Ricciardo, I got to say, this is an interesting. Sorry, just taking a sip of my coffee here. This is just an interesting decision for Daniel Ricciardo. Now, I know, like, a lot of people might have their own opinion on this matter. But, you know, for Danny Rick, his decision to go to Red Bull and become their number three driver, it really is interesting when you think of his career, right? Like, when you think of the career trajectory of Daniel Ricciardo, this is a guy who, when he was at Red Bull, remember, he was at Red Bull with Sebastian Vettel. He was a Red Bull veteran. He was the guy that... Um, you know, you think of Daniel Ricciardo and Ribble, you know, he was like the first one that maybe was like going to be what Max is now. There was so much untapped or I don't want to say untapped potential, but there was so much potential there. Right. And he was racing with Sebastian Vettel. He is an OG. When I think of him, I think of him as like an OG Red Bull driver. One of those, you know, first new generation guys after like Mark Webber and Sebastian Vettel. Right. Like. And, you know, he comes into Red Bull, he he finishes third twice in the Constructors' Championship. So he, you know, the Constructors, in the Drivers' Championship. So he has had great results and really has, um, you know, done a lot of, has had a lot of success with Red Bull. And frankly, has had a lot of potential, was seen as a driver with a lot of potential. And, you know, of course... Max Verstappen comes into the mix, right? And it, it, it starts to become obvious that Max is the number one driver. And there's no doubt. I mean, if we look at the results, right? Max Verstappen has undoubtedly been Red Bull's number one driver, two world championships now, uh, helping lead Red Bull to their first constructors championship since I believe, I'm going to say 2013, sorry, their first constructors championship since 2013. So, you know, clearly Max is the number one guy. And and at Red Bull, you know, after that season with Max Verstappen, of course, which was that 2018 season, you know, it was well-documented Daniel Ricciardo's feelings. And he goes to Renault. And, you know, if there's one of the what-ifs, one of the things I wonder, Daniel Ricciardo, should he have maybe stayed at Renault? Like, and this is going to be forever the question when people go back to looking at Daniel Ricciardo's career. Because there, you know, I think he was having a lot of promising success at Renault. He was, you know, consistently, I would say, one of the best of the rest there. You know, he was leading that team to some strong finishes. They ended 2019 strong. And they came back even stronger for 2020 with Daniel Ricciardo getting, you know, the first podium for them in a long time. So, you know, it just... It makes you wonder. And he finished fifth in the Drivers' Championship that year. So there was, you know, looking at Daniel Ricciardo from Renault, 
who is a solid driver. That was a team that, even if you're thinking of Alpine now, Alpine's been on the up and up with Esteban and Fernando, minus reliability issues. But you just got to wonder, like, was the move to McLaren just, for a lot of reasons, maybe wasn't the best move for Daniel Ricciardo. And, you know, I think part of it, you know, one of the reasons why going to McLaren, I think Zach Brown, Zach Brown is... I still, even with McLaren's struggles, and McLaren came back strong this year, right? And Lando Norris is the only driver to get a podium this year that wasn't from Red Bull or Ferrari. Um, so for Lando Norris to, uh, sorry, for Zach Brown and McLaren, you know, they were a team that looked, you know, if you're looking at McLaren, you see them as this team on the up and up. You see them as... You know, I think people have a lot of hope for McLaren, but at the same time, and, you know, for Daniel Ricciardo to go there being the older guy, and I'm not I'm not saying anything wrong with Lando Norris, but, you know, going back to it, when you think about this move, going to McLaren to be with Lando is really putting Daniel Ricciardo in the similar situation that he was in with Max. Daniel Ricciardo was never going to be the number one guy at McLaren. It was always going to be Lando Norris. And the car was going to be more constructed towards Lando. That's just my opinion. And, you know, I think it was a risky move. Now, of course, it did work in 2021. We had the Monza victory. But other than that, Daniel Ricciardo's form was still not where arguably it should have been, right? Like, it was not where we wanted it to be. It was not where McLaren wanted it to be in 2021. And and going into 2022, on top of the fact that the new car was, for lack of a better terms, in the beginning of the season, shit, um, it did get better. Lando did pull out some great finishes. But especially comparing it to, comparing Daniel Ricciardo to Lando Norris, you know, you got to say, like, Daniel Ricciardo's form just was not there and um quite unfortunate quite unfortunate for daniel ricardo you know um kind of stuck himself into a tough situation was never again the performance was never really there at mclaren and you know he gave us some great moments at mclaren um even this year had some solid finishes but the form was just the pace was just never there and you know he's talked a lot about you know the mental side of things the you know, the, I guess, psychological side of one not performing well and maybe with the team, maybe the dynamic was was not there. And the good thing is it, it didn't look like there was ever a issue. I know Netflix is probably going to hype it up and drive to survive, but there was never really like this dynamic between Lando and Daniel where it seemed like they were at each other's throats like we've seen with some other teammates. But, um, yeah, for Daniel Ricciardo to go back to Red Bull, be their number three driver. I think it's a good fit. I think Daniel Ricciardo fits that Red Bull brand. I Listen, if you're a Daniel Ricciardo fan, you got to be realistic. And I know anything can happen in Formula One. We've seen Nico Hulkenberg come back. We've seen Alex Albon come back. We've seen uh, Esteban Ocon come back. So it's not unheard of. And I'm sure, you know, if Daniel does the right thing, I'm sure Christian will try to find Daniel a ride somewhere. I don't know what could open up in 2024. 
Uh, who knows what the dynamic between Max and Checo? I personally, I don't want to read into the Max and Checo dynamic too much. Obviously, if there's some drama in the first early stages of next year, we know that Daniel Ricciardo's name is going to be brought up right into the mix. But um, in that regard, you know, I can picture Daniel Ricciardo like doing the promos and stuff. It's going to be a good fit. I think it'll be great to see him still on the paddock. I think he fits into the Red Bull brand. Um, I think it's a nice homecoming, and I think I think for. Daniel's mental health I think he's going to love being back with that team and and I truly think he fits that team image and I think it's one of the I don't know I think it's one of the sweeter comebacks we've seen one of the sweeter homecomings we've seen and whether or not he finds a ride will obviously remain to be seen but to be fair you know this kind of spirals into what I wanted to talk to next I was thinking about Red Bull's junior program the other day right and like Red Bull's junior program really in some ways has been highly successful, in some ways recently has not. Like, we, if we think of the Red Bull drivers on the grid, there are actually quite a bit, right? We have Carlos Sainz, we have Alex Albon, we have Yuki, we have Daniel Ricciardo, we have Max Verstappen, we have Pierre Gasly. So there, there are quite a bit of drivers who have gone up through the program, but and now, what I think is pretty cool, a new driver joining, actually, is uh, Enzo Fittipaldi. And listen, I don't know if you guys have followed the Fittipaldis. Uh, obviously, Fittipaldi, a legendary racing name. Um, the successive racers with that name have not really um, amounted to much, you know, especially recently. You know, Pietro is the reserve driver for Hostel. You know, hasn't really... He got a chance early in... What was that? It Was that in 2020? Yeah, 2020. Um, after Roman Grosjean, uh, had his incident, uh, you know, Pietro had his opportunity, you know, hasn't really had the chance to show much. Um, I don't think he's a guy who's ever going to get a full-time F1 gig. Um, but Enzo Fittipaldi, I, I don't know why I like the potential of Enzo Fittipaldi and, uh, he had a strong, solid F2 season and now he's joining the Red Bull Academy. Uh, but that, that gets me back into this this Red Bull Young Drivers Academy, which so far, right, we have Yuki as the only guy recently to really make it up there. Liam Lawson looked over, uh, you know, obviously Nick DeVries taking over the Alpha Tauri spot. So, you know, if there is drama at Red Bull, I could see, obviously, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, uh, you know, Christian would go for bringing Yuki into that spot to you know but this is just hypothetically saying if something happened where Checo Perez had to get in I don't think we're gonna see Yuki going up in there even though you know Yuki's had an improved 2022 season but he kind of fell off a of form in the second half so I don't know if I want to say much about Yuki you know even having a chance at that seat but I, I don't think it would be truly ever really entertained but with Daniel Ricciardo in the mix you know a guy who knows the Red Bull, knows Max, knows Christian. I, I could see him maybe sneaking in. So, you know, but again, this all depends on what happens with Red Bull drama. And I think Daniel Ricciardo is really just going to be there. They're a promo guy. Let's get real. Daniel Ricciardo, whether or not he's <laughs> racing or not, is still a hot ticket in Formula One. He's one of the most popular drivers. He has a Netflix appeal. Um you know, from a marketing standpoint alone for Red Bull, 
Daniel Ricardo makes sense. And and uh, for Daniel Ricardo to keep him in the paddock, to keep him connected with a team, uh, to keep him doing simulator work, you know, it's a different approach. It's the approach we've seen some drivers take. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I personally would have liked to see him race elsewhere, but I guess that's my own selfish desire. I would have liked to see him, you know. I mean, come on, you couldn't picture Daniel Ricciardo doing, you know, like some world endurance racing, maybe Le Mans, the Daytona 24. He would have fit perfectly in the Rolex 24. You know, Kevin Magnuson's done it. Kubica's done it. Um, uh, who else has done it? Um, Kamui Kobayashi's done it. So there there have been people that have done it from Formula One. Um, so... <laughs> Not unheard of, I think. Paul DeResta, right? Like, not unheard of. So I would have liked him to see that. I could have seen him doing, you know, some NASCAR racing. And maybe he still will, you know, get in with that Project 91 with uh, Trackhouse Racing that I that Kimi Raikkonen did earlier this year. So, yeah, would have liked to see him mess around a little more with some other series. I know IndyCar, I think he said he was out on. But would I like to see him try. But we'll see what happens with his Red Bull return. We'll see how that goes. Uh, wishing the best luck for Daniel Ricciardo. And I really hope that he finds some sort of um, success or some kind of revival. You know, something that helps him continue in the sport. You know, I would like to see him as an analyst, too. Don't you think like that would have been great, too? Like Daniel Ricciardo, uh, you know, doing F1 TV or... Sky Sports or something, just getting in there. I think that would have been great, too, because he's got the personality. He's got the charisma. I think it would have been a good fit, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Moving on to other F1 news, the other big story is the saga with Mattia Benotto. So it is obviously clear we know Ferrari's issues have been well, well, well documented this year. We know that Ferrari has flat out had... You know, their strategy issues. Apparently, they've had some personnel issues. I don't know exactly, but obviously, Matteo Bonotto is gone. And, and um, it's obvious, right? Like, it's obvious that um, Matteo Bonotto probably should be done after a season with Ferrari. Like, we know Matteo Bonotto is going to resign, and we know that, you know, maybe not everything has been his fault. But at the end of the day, when you're the team principal, you know, what, what do they always say? Shit rolls uphill, right? Like when things go wrong, it's going to come to you. And we know Ferrari's issues. We know they were well-documented. Uh, Ferrari legitimately had a car that probably should have at least been fighting. You know, Charles Leclerc should have been fighting Max for the world driver's champion. It should have been a lot closer. Now, I'm not saying, let's say there aren't those reliability issues and Charles Leclerc doesn't crash and there's not the strategy issues. I haven't done the math to see how close it would be because obviously as the season progressed, Max really turned it on. But I just feel like over the last, not even, you know, even before Matteo Bonotto, Ferrari just seems to not have gotten it right. And, you know, they kind of have this, they kind of have this um, thing where they'll start off really strong and it will go wrong. It goes south and for a variety of reasons. So 
Now, one of the big things is that uh, um, one of the best things or one of the things that is going to happen um, next year is somebody's going to replace Matteo Bonotto. The two names tied into it. One is Frederick Vassier, who is currently the team principal for Alfa Romeo. And I think Frederick Vassier has done a great job with Alfa Romeo. Obviously, he has the connections with Ferrari being that he was, you know, the you know, concerning that he works with Alfa Romeo, who has there for the longest time they've had that um, Ferrari connection. Um, he's had quite a long history in Formula One. He's really had, I, you know, you can't say has he had success. I can't guarantee that, but he has had. I would say he's been solid on um, on his career. He's he's been good he's been a solid driver developer we've seen some great he obviously has a great relation i would think he has a great relationship with Charles leclerc considering that you know Charles worked there when he was with alpha as well so um you know i think it'd be interesting to see what happens with him as director i think he's a knowledgeable force in f1 i think he would be um better than benotto i think he would be more solid than benotto but the other name coincidentally <laughs> connected which is interesting um and i think this is uh a throwback and i think this is one of the cooler ferrari names linked and this guy has a long history with ferrari and that is ross braun and i gotta say when i saw that i read that i think that is one of the interesting connections because listen Ross Braun, we know who he's associated with, right? He is associated with Michael Schumacher and that incredible run um, with Michael Schumacher as his, you know, technical director and basically being the guy who (laughs) is partially, like, responsible. You could argue he's, like, the architect, the designer, the one of the major forces between that run with Michael Schumacher. And honestly, if he joined Ferrari as a team principal, I think that would be amazingly incredible. That would be a move. I think we could all get behind. I would, I would love to see what Ross Braun would bring to Ferrari. I think that would be, and honestly, I, at first when I read Frederick Vassar, I was like, that's a solid move. But if Ross Braun is connected and if Ross Braun really wants to come back, I know he's been doing, you know, his Formula One gig for a while, you know, actually working in the sport of Formula One. I wonder, I wonder, I truly wonder what it would be like for him to join on Ferrari as a team principal. I think that would be incredible because let's get real. Ross Braun has had an incredibly, incredibly successful career. I mean, he helped... Not only is there his story with Ferrari, he was with Honda for a little bit, right? Um, And, of course, he then has Braun GP, which is arguably one of the most amazing stories in Formula 1 history. Joins Mercedes, and yeah, Mercedes struggled early on, but that team, you know, Ross Braun helped bring that team to the level it is at now. He was an incredible piece to that, so... I think um, I think that, you know, 
this is a guy who has had success wherever he's gone. And I think if you're going to bring him to Ferrari, if you want that Ferrari comeback, maybe Ross Braun can bring back a little of that Ferrari magic we saw in those years, in the late 90s, early 2000s, with Michael Schumacher. It is an incredibly attractive move. And I don't think anybody would be questioning that. I don't think you'd find anybody that would be disappointed with that. And I think that is the way to go for Ferrari. I want to see Ross Braun. I am all up on that Ross Braun train. Like, bring him in, get him here, get it done. It just it, it just makes too much sense, right? Like, it is just the thing to do. So, yeah, I'm 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 excited to see who becomes the team principal of Ferrari. Listen, say what you want about Ferrari. Say what you want about um <laughs> all these different, you know, uh issues they've had. We bring back Ross Broad. We are getting what we want. We're getting we're getting the chance for Ferrari to make an incredible comeback, and I'm looking forward to it. So, here's to hoping they sign for our uh, sign Ross Braun. Um, we'll see what happens, but hey, listen, it is what it is, right? Uh, so, the other interesting thing um, this weekend was, of course, the new. It was the Pirelli tire test, right? The end of the season test. The, the test right after, always at Abu Dhabi, right after the last race. And I am a big fan of this. And, and call me a nerd, but one of the things I love about the the postseason test is that we get to see, like, all the different drivers and their different, um, and their different or sometimes new rides. And there were a lot of interesting people out there. We had, you know, Schwartzman out there. We had... Um, obviously we had Alonzo Gasly, we had Lawson, um, Nico Hulkenberg, Oscar Piastri, all in their new rides. So that was pretty cool. I love seeing the drivers like in their new rides, um, and looking, looking different, you know, like obviously the, the interesting thing was we had Fernando Alonso in the 14 of the Aston Martin, but he had to ride it without any sponsors because, he was still um, he was still contracted under Alpine, so we had Fernando Alonso riding in the green Aston Martin, but unpainted. Which I still gotta say, even the unpainted Aston Martin, that thing still looks beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful ride, and we got to see Pierre Gasly riding in the <laughs> Alpine as well. With the, I just love seeing it. We saw the number ten. On the new ride, we saw the 14 on the new ride. We had Logan Sargent getting in it for Williams. We had, who else do we have? Oh, yeah, we had Nico Hulkenberg back at Haas, which, you know what's funny? My, uh, so I don't read much into those times because what are you going to say, right? Like, you can't read much into the times at the tire test. The teams have different plans. I'm not going to even look at that. Um, you know, the, the Ferraris were fast. Uh, Leclerc and Schwartz, Schwartz, Schwartzman. Schwartzman were up there, but I mean, what else could we say about it, really? Like, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to read into it too much, but we'll see what happens when, you know, the races actually get underway, but, or like the first FP1 of next year. But what I did find interesting, and uh, what was I talking about? Oh my God, I lost my train of thought. No! 
was talking about the tire test, new drivers, Hulkenberg, Haas. Yeah, you know, that's it. So, there's Beyond the Grid, the little podcast special that F1 host, and Gunther Steiner was on it. And this got me thinking a little bit. It got me thinking about a few things. One of the first things was, <laughs> I know I was very critical about Haas with Mick Schumacher. And obviously, something broke down there. And, you know, for what it's worth, it, on a side note, it does seem like Toto Wolf and Mercedes are pretty high on Mick Schumacher. So, Mick might end up going over to Mercedes, being their reserve driver, maybe help him develop. I think the Mercedes and Schumacher family, obviously there's the German connection too. I think they do have a good relationship. And um, if Mick does develop into a good driver and, you know, if uh, Mercedes is able, again, a lot of ifs here, is able to give him the development and guidance he needs, that would be just an incredible loss for Ferrari, uh, an incredible like mismanagement on the part of Ferrari and Haas, which supposedly that is a reason why Benotto also is being asked to resign because of losing Schumacher, which I get to some degree, but that that's kind of a surprising thing. But anyway, uh, Gunther Steiner had a little bit of interesting perspectives, and I know obviously dumping Schumacher has been seen as a very controversial move a very confusing move bringing back Hulkenberg but I'm thinking back like Gunther was kind of explaining that you know he you know Haas is at a certain point where maybe they tried the rookie thing and let's get real like Haas compared to some other teams maybe isn't the team to develop rookies you know we have we have some teams that have done it successfully Sauber um obviously Alpha Tauri to a lesser extent Williams so we do have some teams out there that are good at it. I think Haas, it, it's tough. I think, I, I don't think, and nothing wrong about Gunther too. I think, you know, he has a different kind of management style. I don't I don't think it fits that young driver development role that I think Ferrari expects them to have. And in the same degree, which is kind of interesting now, right? Because doesn't Ferrari, you know, with Hulkenberg and... Now, Magnus in there, and I know Ferrari uses, you know, Haas used the Ferrari engines, and Haas was supposed to be like this step-up team for Ferrari. Uh, it's kind of interesting because they're now losing their association as well with Sauber, Alfa Romeo. So, Ferrari's kind of in an interesting point. I, I don't know why that just came to my mind. But, um, you know, listen to Gunther Steiner talk. You know, they want to be serious about competing. They need a driver that understands a car that has the experience that can maybe provide that input necessary for development and other things so i get that i i get the perspective now and i see it a little better and you know obviously uh, it didn't work out with mick and and mick had a rough season i think he did get better in the second half but you know i just don't think haas is the spot for that and we could see um and in that other regard because thinking about the young drivers too, like I feel like we are missing out on so many young drivers. Like even to get Oscar Piastri, who was undoubtedly one of the best F two drivers in a long time, uh, to get him up, it took way too long into the sport. You know, it, and it took that whole drama, and now he's with McLaren. But it took him. I feel like it definitely took him way too long to get him up here into the sport, and it was interesting because Gunther was asked about another team joining on the possibility of an 11th team joining F1 and 
Gunther had an interesting perspective, which I think is some of the perspectives not just of Gunther Steiner, not just of the team principals or team bosses and CEOs, but I think also, obviously, the perspective of Formula One, Liberty Media, etc. Um, you know, bringing a team like Andretti, yes, they're an American team, but the big thing right now with Formula One is what can we do to bring in the money, bring in the viewers? And Gunther said, I, I honestly don't think, and I understand this perspective. They basically said, I don't think that adding another team is going to add to the revenue. I don't think adding another team is going to make us more money. And, you know, it's sad, but it's true. Like, he did point out that Formula One is in a good spot right now and they want to keep rolling with what they got, essentially. And, you know, see where it goes from there. And that is true. Like, you look at the way Formula One is going, right? We're going to places, I think... We're going to Qatar at the. Eventually, we're going to get a Qatar, another street circuit, right? Or are they doing a permanent circuit? We're going to Vegas next year, um, which is another street circuit, and that's pretty funny too because Max Verstappen was talking about how this new F one car doesn't really like street circuits, and you know he thinks you know he said you could do it back in the day with some of the older cars, and now it's not a thing, and it's funny because we see that we know that. We know that to be the case, but Formula One keeps insisting on going to street circuits because you get those images. You get those, you know, Vegas is going to be a spectacle. It's going to be Monaco on steroids, I think. And, you know, the tickets are ridiculous. I can't afford them. I'd rather anyway go to Circuit of the Americas, watch a good race at a nice track. And But anyway, besides the point, you know, that's the move Formula One's going with. And yet it doesn't fit the racing all the time. You know, we've been lucky to have a few good street circuits. I think Azerbaijan sometimes is good. Baku, I think sometimes Singapore is good. But the other ones, oh my God, even Monaco, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just ranting now. But, yeah. Yeah, we can see that, Max. We know it doesn't work at street circuits. Like, come on. I wish we had more purpose-built tracks that give us the opportunities for overtaking. Is that so hard to ask for? Oh, especially with these newer, bigger cars. But I wish we could find a way to make the cars a little smaller. Get the overtaking. Like, look at Formula E. The Formula E is not a powerful series. And it's not, like, one of the best, you know, quality series all the time. But they, they have a lot of good overtaking and a lot of good racing. So, ah, whatever. It's my frustration. But, yeah. So, you know, obviously, I'll keep talking to you guys about Formula 1. Throughout this offseason, it was actually pretty funny, too, because, you know, you can't sometimes escape the grass of Formula One. And um, I'm in the firehouse, right? And we do this thing where we deliver Christmas trees for our fundraiser. Um, and I was at a house delivering these trees, right? And um, I'm going to get it wrong. I forgot which one he had. Was it the Daytona? Was it the Ferrari Daytona? Or was it the... 488 I can't remember no I think it was the 488 GT right so I go to this guy's house right we deliver the tree downstairs first of all my buddy points out because my buddy knows I'm big into Formula 1 he goes Pirelli tire Klein like that's a uh that's a Formula 1 uh Formula 1 tire I'm like damn it is and we see the Ferrari like he has this Lego uh I'm pretty sure it was the Ferrari 488 GT so we're looking at that we're like what what and this guy's like yeah you know I got the big sim racing setup he's got like 
the legit setup, the wheel, and I'm like the Fanatec wheel helmet. I'm like, damn, I'm I'm jealous. This guy's living his best life, and I'm here. I I can't even you know. I felt embarrassed to even answer that. I I still have to. I can't set up my racing setup in my apartment because I just don't have the space. I can't have the wheel. I've used a controller. I'm like, oh my god. Then my buddy, coincidentally, who is a big Formula One fan, texts me about iRacing because I do know a lot about it. And I know about like a set of Corsa and those things. And, and he was asking me about this. And I'm like, man, I, I just want to get back into sim racing so bad. I got to find a way to set it up. That, that's what I'm getting at. I got to find a way. Got to find a way to get my setup going again because that would be... I got to get back into it. I don't know. I'm, I'm going through withdrawals. I need to satisfy my withdrawals. And I know I don't always have the most time, but just a, just a shit house around. Oh, man. I got to figure this out. But... That's my mental, um, I don't know what you would call that, not breakdown of the week, my mental uh, revelation of the week that I got to figure out a way to get back into sim racing and not just, you know, jones it up, as my friend would say, with F122 because it's a great game, but it's not really a simulation. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'll be talking to you guys about Formula One in this off season. I'll be talking to you more. I'm sure there's more news about to break. I'm going to do my team reviews at some point. I'm going to try to watch all the races at some point. So, uh, you know, stick with it. Keep listening. If you are listening, thank you guys for the support. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at anamericanf1. And also you can check out my blog on www.f1idiots.com. Thank you. Keep listening. Enjoy your F1 offseason. And I will talk to you guys later.